This is The Resilient Life, where we believe that every human will struggle in this life. Our challenge is to struggle well. I'm Ryan Mannion. I lost my brother to war, my mom to cancer, and I'm the daughter of a retired Marine. I'm also a wife, mom, author, and president of one of the nation's leading veteran service organizations. Join me and some incredible guests as we explore the value of struggling well through life's inevitable challenges. Welcome to another episode of the Resilient Life Podcast. I am bringing on today an old friend, someone I'm really excited to be talking to. I haven't talked to you in a long time. U.S. Army Staff Sergeant Travis Mills. Travis, welcome to the Resilient Life. Thanks for having me. I'll tell you what, old is right. I fell <laughs> apart five and you know, 35 now, two feet in the grave. It's wild. But uh, <laughs> I just approved the stress levels that I have. But anyway, thanks for having me. You look fantastic. Everything looks like it's going great. And, you know, I'm just excited to be here. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I obviously, you know, we've, we've kept in touch over the years. Um, but I, I started to think back and, you know, when I, when I asked you to come on the podcast, I'm like, God, when did you and I first meet? And it was 2012. It was right after you were injured. And yeah, I'm, I was heavily drugged up. I'm pretty sure uh, am I in, in, um, we talked and, uh, what I recall and I have a mother-in-law actually, you know, re, you know, reiterate this was that I was pretty, you know, like upset, frustrated, kind of like, man, I'm not sure what I got going on. And you told me, you know, my brother would be so fortunate to be in your situation. So just remember that. And, uh, it's stuck with me, you know, stuck with me, uh, over the last 10 plus years. And, um, I think that's, you know, one of my big driving forces of, uh, me doing everything that I do. I mean, I, I've been blessed, uh, even though my injuries to, to live a pretty productive and fulfilling life. Yeah. So you are in 2012, you're, you're injured. You are on, um, your third tour in Afghanistan and, um, you're hit by an IED, an improvised explosive device and become one of, I think it's like only five quadruple yeah. amputees in the country. Quadruple five, you know, and it's wild because uh, I never thought early retirement would be so quick, you know, but I was just like, man, I don't want to do 20. I'll just do six and call it. So I walked right into early retirement. Yeah. But uh, I didn't see it coming, if I'm being honest. I kind of just accidentally hit it. Do you think about that day at all? I mean, is that something where you actually think about, uh, you know, that you what happened that day and and you know there are some people that are very affected by the moment of it, an accident when an accident happens is that something that you deal with no so i don't worry about it uh during my recovery process i realized early on i can't change what happened i mean how many times i close my eyes and i hope and wish prices in my situation it was the reality is the reality right so i don't live in the past to dwell on it uh, I, I learned quick to reminisce the past which i had 25 amazing years with arms and legs and um, you know, one bad day at the office, but I also used to have my alive day and every year that an anniversary of your alive day, they're like, Oh, happy alive day. And you know how I really take it. Um, and my birthday's four days after my injury. Right. So like I literally turned 24 when I woke up for the first time from medical sedation in Germany from being knocked out by the doctors on the operating table. Cause I was trying to tell the nurses to put touch on me. And, um, and I would hate that day. Like, I'm like, I don't want to celebrate this. We're not going to talk about this. My buddy Scott Mallory's birthday says what we'll talk about. And then as the years clicked by, like seven and eight, uh, you know, I got a little more like, man, I'm happy to, happy to have that. And then this year was a big milestone, like a decade. Um, and we had a big party at my house. Um, 
you know, the surprise party for me. And um, we were filming a documentary with Magnolia Network um, that came out on Veterans Day, but they were here for April and they flew some of my military buddies in and family. And, you know, I, I told them, hey, guys, you know, I used to hate this day, but really I am so grateful to still be here to enjoy this time with you. And um, I, I guess so. I mean, the short answer is I don't I don't really worry about it. Right. I can't change how my life came out. Um, I can't regrow my arms and legs. And I've been so blessed with Kelsey staying on my side. My daughter's 11 now. She was six months old. And we have our son, Dax, who's named after the medics, Daniel and Alexander, that saved my life. So we, we matched our names up, came up with Dax. And he's five and he's he's a champion. I, you know, I remember when, uh, obviously in 2012, you know, it, there's a lot of young men and women that are being injured in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, um, you know, the, the Travis Manning Foundation had just kind of hit its peak and we were doing a lot of things, but really we one of the things we didn't do was we didn't, we didn't, we weren't one of the groups that was down at Walter Reed working with, you know, um, and supporting newly injured uh, veterans that were, you know, going through what you had gone through. But, and I can't even remember now at the time who connected us with your story, but I remember hearing, you know, about this young guy named Travis who was down at Walter Reed had lost, uh, you know, four of his limbs and, and it was April and my brother Travis was killed in April. And I just remember feeling such this kind of tie to you because of that. And it was probably the first time that I had gone to Walter Reed and I remember going down there. Um, and yes, you were heavily sedated. Um, but yeah. you still had like such a sense of humor to you. And I marveled at just, you know, and and we all knew at that time you had such a long road ahead. I mean, it was just, you know, this was like just the beginning. And your your mother-in-law was there and your wife was there, who was so wonderful. Um, and your your daughter was there. Um but I just remember like thinking like this guy's going to be okay because there was something about just your attitude and the way you were approaching what you had been dealt that um, I just knew you were going to be okay. And, and, and not only just okay, but I knew that you were going to, to do something after this life changing moment. So it's been like so awesome to just see you thrive in this, this new world and this new life that, that you had been given. Like you said, you had, one bad day at work and and one bad day was the loss of all four of your limbs. And then, you know, here I am scrolling. It was just yesterday. I'm scrolling. I think it was on Jocko fuel and they had a uh, video up from Goldcast, and you're speaking to the audience and you're like, I'm going to be honest with all of you guys, you know, and you're holding up your one prosthetic. You're like, I don't, I don't wash my hands after I use the bathroom. And oh, <laughs> I, I wash my hand of course, but just the pearl. Of hands, but um, yeah. So, I, I who was your brother's roommate at college? Brendan Nooney. Nooney. I thought he. Your brother was connected to Leif. I thought Babin somehow. No. So Leif and Leif and Travis both went to the academy, but Leif yeah. was a little bit older than Travis. Okay, because I thought maybe that's what you saw. Like Jenna, his wife is on Fox News, and she had my story. But it might have been Jenna because Jenna and I were friends. So it might have been Jenna that introduced me to the story of you. Yeah, it might have been Jenna. And I'm still still friends with them. Yeah. Um, 
I do get the chance to rep Jocko's uh, energy drinks. I have the watermelon, which is my flavor. Whoop a salt because you couldn't put the A word on a can. So we had to put a salt. But, uh, but no, it's been a wild ride. You know, I mean, at the hospital, 19 months of recovery, learning how to do everything, like get a prosthetic can, um, dress myself, you know, use the restroom by myself, do, do all that. And then I learned how to walk with my prosthetic legs. Uh, learn how to drive eventually. And uh, Kelsey and I we were shown so much love and support, like, you know, from you guys. And uh, there's other people like Gary Sneeze Foundation doing some really great things that we thought we should do something to give back. And we started our foundation to give back to um, veterans that have been through, you know, disabled or, I'm sorry, physical injuries, um, you know, due to service. So it could be car accident, whatever. And then it's grown to what it is now, which is, which is insane, where we bring out eight families per week to this retreat in Maine. And we also have a post-traumatic stress program, which is important for your listeners, because if you have a combat veteran listening or or a first responder that has post-traumatic stress, we have partnered with Warrior Path Program, uh, which is out of Boulder Crest Foundation in Virginia, and we get a grant every year. So we do 12 weeks a year. It's like one of the best in the nation uh, program-wise, and and we're really, really uh, changing people, you know, their mindset so they know that you're going to struggle, but you can struggle well as well as post-traumatic stress can also be post-traumatic growth. So I'll get off my soapbox here. Sorry, you're supposed to be asking me questions and I I just went on a tangent. No, no, I appreciate that. And, you know, so let's, let's go back to, you know, your 19 months in Walter Reed and then you get out. Um, What are you thinking at that time? Are you thinking, I mean, you're not thinking I'm going to, I'm going to start this, foundation and I'm going to do things for others or is that immediately your thought like how am I going to pay it forward we actually started the foundation while I was still at the hospital okay um, but it's care packages for overseas for the guys that I serve with and their new units and we were just going to do that uh, but then these people in Maine thought hey I saw you snowboarding I saw you doing this like we should do something in Maine and they were going to call it the Travis Mills Project they were going to run it I was going to be just like life normally you know hands off and <laughs> We raised so much funds, but then the nonprofit that was running was like, hey, we're not raising any funds for us. We, we can't do this. We're going to let it fizzle out. And I'm like, I'm not from Maine. Uh, I went around all over, but skydiving with, the, at the time, the governor of Maine's wife to raise funds. And I'm like, and then and you're just going to tell me it fizzled out now? Like, and I'm going to move here? I said, no, we'll take it over. So what we started with to where it's at now was never the plan. But, you know, you know, it, it's no big deal because uh, it, it's been doing really well. And then I also... When I got out, all I wanted to do is I wanted to get out. I wanted to retire. I wanted to be done with the hospital. My kids are in the hospital. I'll be out of this place. So they said I'd be there three years. I did it in 19 months. Um, the last six months is a lot more paperwork and and like getting things set up and recovery, if you will. And then um, I got to my in-laws house in Texas because my house in Maine was getting built. And I got to my in-laws house. And I remember like seeing a picture of me with my um, green, uh, or like my full army kit, right? Like the day before I, um, got blown up, I took a picture on April 9th of, you know, my AR-15. Um, look at me. I'm saying AR-15. It's an M4 in the military. I know that, but like, I'm so out of the military, but you know, like I had my gun and my grenades and you know, whatever, a really cool picture of my orange hat on that says Vassar Vulcan is the town I'm from. Um, and I looked up at the picture. And I was like, who's it? Like, I'm not that guy no more. You know, like broke down, was tearing up. And I was like, who am I going to be? You know? And I had no idea because at the hospital, I was somebody. At the hospital, I was Travis Mills, but also they would ask me to go talk to people and be a mentor and to help and my positive personality. And everybody knew me, but it's also the safe space of like, everybody here is like me. So I'm not going to the grocery store and having people like, what happened to him? Like you're in the store and like, it's a parent of somebody that's, 
you know, messed up or whatever, or somebody that's seen you. So it's not weird. Um, and I remember having that moment where I was just like, this is all I ever wanted, you know, for 19 months. And now it's here. And I'm like, what, what am I going to do? And who am I? And at the time I had, uh, luckily been able to find a guy to start working out with. Now he has a depth training foundation. I'm not sure if you've ever talked with David Vivora, but he was a linebacker from the NFL. They got hurt, and, uh, addiction to drugs. And now he's has a depth training foundation down in Texas and they bring a lot of, uh, you know, military members through and people that have been horrible car accidents and stuff like that, just in the civilian world that are paralyzed or need to adaptively work out. So anyways, I worked out with him and he started his nonprofit with like, guidance from me because I paid full price because he's a trainer of athletes for, you know, Olympic athletes and, and NFL combine players and, and baseball players. And so I, anyways, I worked out with him, reached confidence, started speaking. Um, and I've been very blessed in the speaking world. You know, I, I'm on the circuit where I do about 40 a year um, for my Travis Mills group, LLC company, um, which is based out of Chicago. And I was here, but I have a speaker out of Chicago. And every time I go and speak, you know, I get my, my actual honorarium or my price, but then they also usually donate. So we've been growing the foundation um, every year. And, you know, it's, it's just been a wild ride. We went from Kelsey and my wife, me and, you know, Kelsey, my wife and me and my father-in-law to, you know, there's like 32 full-time employees now, I think. That's so, crazy. yeah, it's crazy. I, I, I covered a lot of ground there. I, we get in pack what you want to pack. You're in charge here. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, see, I love it. I'm not trying to mess with you. I see the brass knuckles. I know that. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, and, and I love that you talked about like when you got out of Afghan or out of Walter Reed, it's, it's all you ever wanted. You know, you tried to fast track that to get to that place. And then you find out like, now what am I going to do? And, you know, I've talked to, I I had Rob Jones on the program um, early on and he, he shared a little bit about that. Like you almost lose your identity when you leave Walter Reed because it is this kind of, it's this, this group of individuals and, and like you, you know, and I've had Kyle uh, Carpenter on and, you know, Kyle talked about, you know, you're just like in this place where you almost take this leadership role on right at the hospital and you're like, you're working with others and then you leave. And, and it's almost like, that's the point where it's like the real work starts. Right. And um, yeah. you know, this idea of struggle. Well, I, I say it all the time. I hashtag it all the time. Um, you can't be blind to the fact that like, no one's going to expect you to walk out of Walter Reed and be like, let's go. Right. Like you had to go through moments of just questioning, like, oh my gosh, this is, this is my life now. Well, it was just, it was so wild. Like I, I was, you know, all I ever wanted was get out and get out. And then I got out and I do have a pension. So like I'm taken care of, you know, Gary Sneese Foundation and Tony Towers Foundation and Karen Charitable Foundation were working together and they, they built my wife and I a nice house in Maine. And it's just like, okay, but what am I like, what am I going to do? And who am I? You know, life's peaks and valleys and I get that. Um, and, you know, I was in high school as an all like state catcher, as a football, you know, standout. I, I played college football. And then I went to the military because, I had to find something new. I was like, this is, I didn't like college to be honest with you. So then I went into the military and I'm like a nobody. And then I worked my way up to like where I am somebody. I was the youngest D6 of my um, uh, troop. I was the the weapon squad leader, which is a senior spot. Um, I was probably going to make seven really, like E7 really fast, which I made six and five really fast. And I was somebody. And then I went to the hospital 
And I was somebody at the hospital too, because a lot of people that get injured, like E4, E3, E2, you know, privates and stuff. Um, and specialists. So like I was an older guy, even though I was only 25 years old. Um, but then get through my recovery and I moved to Frisco, Texas where I'm nobody, you know, and that's fine. I don't, I don't need the limelight. Um, I'm not saying like everybody should know me when I walk in the room, like you don't know me. Are you, are you serious? But it's just, it's a different thing. You know, um, it's kind of like that in Maine now though, because I live in Maine, so I'm 1.3 million people. So people don't know me. I'm kind of offended. I'm like, are you, <laughs> Um, and the only reason I say that I, uh, I've been very fortunate. So the thing is like, people know me, um, uh, you know, for the Travis Mills foundation, for, um, my injuries, the documentary, uh, that said that new one come out high on Travis on HBO max and discovery plus my book, but I'm actually quite the, uh, a serial entrepreneur. Like I have a, I have kind of an issue because, uh, I bought a Marina eight years ago with a buddy. And then next to that, we just opened a restaurant. We had a year milestone, uh, on Saturday, um, this past Saturday. So we've been open a year with one of the top restaurants. We, we lost Maine's best new restaurant by a couple of votes. That's awesome. Still bitter. I'm putting in a brewery in a, in a um, uh, tasting room and event center uh, currently. And I just uh, <laughs> started a clothing line called Rebel for Good. And just, I don't know, just kind of doing what I can. You're doing it all. It's arrogant though. It sounds arrogant, right? And I don't mean to sound arrogant. I was given a chance to live. And now I just take on you know, opportunities. I got offered another opportunity just the other day that I don't know if I'm going to do or not, but we'll see. My wife says, my wife actually, she's the only, this is the only idea I've ever had. She's like, that's not actually a bad idea. And I'm like, well, now we have something. <laughs> well, you know, I, I have to tell you, I appreciate that you're, you know, taking every opportunity that's thrown in front of you and, and trying to do something with it. You know, I, 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 I'm sure I did say to your mother-in-law that day, you know, like, Hey, my Travis would, would kill to, to be in your Travis's position, you know? And so to see you going out there and taking advantage of the opportunity you have to, to do good and, and, um, set the example. I mean, it, it is an example for others and everybody should know who you are because of that. Um, I I'd love to talk about what parenthood looks like. Um, with, I know you're I had to text my wife. My dogs are out the window barking at nothing. So I'm not sure if you can get the microphone, but I just asked her if she can get the dogs. So we don't hear um, the dogs. You're all good. Anyway, how parenthood looks, right? Sorry. So you asked how parenthood looks. Um, I mean, I'm pretty awesome as being a as a parent, you know, like I'm a pushover for my daughter. My son, I'm way harder on. Um, me and Chloe are best friends, literally. So it was like, that's gonna change. And I'm like, you mind your tongue, because that's not gonna change. And, uh, you know, it's, it's cool because even though I'm like the guy with no arms, no legs, like, uh, I've built myself up to establish that I'm so much, you know, more than that. Right. Like the first thing people identify me as, as, you know, Chloe's dad or Dax's dad, you know, um, the next thing would be, you know, the Travis Mills foundation. I mean, I can literally sit there at my restaurant, talk to a table. They ask, you know, Oh, would you, you know, who are you? And I'm like, Oh, I'm fortunate to be one of the owners. Of the restaurant and i'm just kind of talking and, and joking and stuff and then they're like oh well what's your name and i tell them they're like oh there's there's a guy who has a foundation i'm like no that's that's me <laughs> i have you know so people know me for good so the fact that i'm 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 well like represented by that does you know makes my kids hopefully have pride and and i think i don't let myself be any different like we walked into my daughter's basketball game yesterday and my son wanted to play on the playground. So I just sat outside the playground with him and he played and 
went to the basketball game and then, uh, you know, I sit there and I cheer like everybody else and I talk to the parents and it's just, it's normal. It's just how it works, I guess. Do you ever feel like you have any, you know, physical limitations on what you want to be able to do with your kids? Oh, like I can't get on a swing or anything like that. And like pushing my son on the swings, you know, I can do it. It's trying. And I feel bad because my hand is kind of hard. So when I, when I push him too hard, he's like, he's like, oh, but that's okay, dad. And I'm like, that's, that's too But uh, I'm actually better on the trampoline than I used to be. So like get my arms and legs off. I can do backflips and we play tag and, and whatnot. So we actually have a really good time. Um, so there's definitely physical limitations that, that I face and understanding what I can and can't do. You know, I know I can, you know, play uh, like in the water or I can kayak and I can do stuff like that, but I can't. Like, I'm not going to play baseball. I can't throw a ball. Right. But get a pitching machine, you know, no big deal. We'll, we'll make the adjustment and we'll adapt it. Yeah, I love it. You just try to overcome that with figuring out the solution. And do you find, like, so you've got all these other things going. You're at, you, you talk about being at your, your bar and you're talking to people. And if people don't automatically know that you're Travis Mills, you know, the the Army veteran that was injured in Afghanistan, do you ever come across instances where people ask you or just like, you know, like what happened? To you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Everybody, they always ask me airports everywhere. Like, are you, were you military or this and that? And we go, yeah. And I just tell them, yeah. Hey, my name's Travis Mills. You can check me out. TravisMills.org or whatever. And I'm very open about it. Like I understand people's curiosity and I understand why they look at me. You know, it's not like I, I don't, and I don't feel bad about it. Like I've never, I mean, some adults should know a little better than to like really stare hard. So like when I make eye contact and they're still staring and I'm like, all right, you had your look, bro. Come on now. But like with kids, like what happened to that man? And the parents are like, oh, and, and I'm just like super honest about I'm like, oh, no, you can ask. Don't worry about it. Like, this is what happened. I was in the military and look at my cool trick. I spin my hand in a circle and, you know, we go our separate ways. But, um, you know, it just changes the whole narrative. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know not making it like stigmatized and, and, and I've talked to other people that have had, you know, have lost limbs or, you know, suffered, um, facial deformities from an accident. And I I love, and I think it's kind of this overwhelming, um, uh, common thread that, you know, kind of normalizing kids being able to ask those questions instead of like, you know, a kid looks and the parent says, look away, look away, don't look, you know, and, and, just being like, hey, well, what, you know, go and ask them, you know, let them, let them share yeah. it with you. I mean, I walked into my son's karate class the other day and some kid like just touched my arm randomly. And I was like, well, like, he was old enough to know, like, don't just touch random strangers. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not a petting zoo, you know? So like I have some people that and I'm not going to say in a lie, like they irritate the shit out of me. Like they'll walk over with their kid, like, look at him, <laughs> look at his arm. Look, and I'm like, okay, well, this isn't show and tell. Like, and I don't know you personally, so like, you can just you can go away. <laughs> you know, and I'm, and I'm like super nice and welcoming. So like, it's very far and few between. But when they like try talking slower to me, and they act like I'm like on display for their own benefit, but then I'm not smart enough to know like what they're doing. I don't know. There, there, there's characters in the world. Let's just say that. Yeah, it's a fine line. It's a fine line. Yeah. Sure. And, and, I'm, and I'm usually pretty cool about it. You know, I, I tell you who's got a shorter temper my wife. She gets, she gets a little irritated sometimes with people, you yeah. know, and, but uh, yeah, she, she has no problem saying like, okay, well we're doing something else. So thank you. Goodbye. Yeah. I can, <laughs> End the conversation. I can see that for sure. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I think I'd probably be the same way. Um, so I love, you know, you started the Travis Mills Foundation. Like you said, you started that when you were still in Walter Reed. And, um, you know, I can't tell you, I don't know if you get this a lot, but like people very often confuse our two organizations. You've got the Travis Mills Foundation, the Travis Manning Foundation. We both use TMF as an acronym in different things. Um, we both have similar logos, um, which, you know, I love, I think it's, I think it's freaking fantastic, but. Well, why got the double A's in it for the 82nd Airborne? Well, you've got, you, you have that. We do not have that. We have the, the T got, in the M. Yeah. I know there's T and M. Look, look, trust me. It's very gangster. I get it. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. we got the Chevrons, the Stripe. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But. No, and I get there's a guy in Maine that's very well known called Travis Roy. He was a freshman in hockey and a college, and he broke his neck. He was paralyzed from the neck down or whatever. So a lot of people are like, "Are you, oh Travis Roy?" And I'm like, "No, different guy. I'm Travis Mills." But, uh, but yeah, so we get, I get that more than everything anything else because when I'm with me talking to him, like, "Oh yeah, you're Travis Roy, the hockey player." I'm like, "He's paralyzed from the neck down." Yeah, I know. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm, that's not me." A lot of people ask me, they'll say, well, how, you know, it just happened to me recently and it happened with someone that, and I can't remember who it was, not that I would repeat it, but it was somebody that was kind of like in the space and probably should have done their research a little bit better. And they were like, well, how's Travis doing? And I'm like, um, he's watching over all of us. And he's like, yeah, you know, and I was like, I didn't want to be like, he's dead. And yeah. like, you know, he's, he's watching over all of us and he's like, you know, and he still didn't like, and he was like, yeah, you know, it, it ended up, they like thought I was Kelsey. Right. So they thought I was your wife and yeah. kept going down the rap and finally said something about, you know, amputee. And I was like, no, 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 that's, that's, I, I'm Travis Mannion's sister. Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq. Travis Mills is who you're, and they like, it was one of those the moments they caught themselves. They were like, oh, yeah. you know, but, um, but that happens. And then a lot of people be like, well, do you do a lot of work with the Travis Mills foundation? And I'm like, you know, we, 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 I know what they do. We, we have complimentary like organizations. We don't partner with them a ton, but they automatically think Travis Mills, Travis Mannion, like we're, we're doing it all together, you know? So which I love. It's, I think it's great. Both our chiseled chins, you know, with his chiseled chin and mine, obviously. <laughs> it's probably, um, no, actually, I need to work on some weight loss stuff. But anywho, that's just my own personal problem. But uh, no, you know, the thing is, like, what, what you guys do with all the educational pieces and all that, you know, there's 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 room for everybody in in the space. But I do think that foundations like ours are going to keep growing, whereas the little, little like the one offs are kind of, you know, unfortunately, they're they're kind of going by the wayside. Um, and I, I think with us in the next five to 10 years, we might expand and have a few more um, centers around the nation, you know? So a few more retreats that we're going to build. Um, and, we, and we have some interest from us, you know, some people in other States. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I just, you know, I try to, I try to just be a niche thing. Like, you know, Oh, Hey, look, we take people that are in this situation due to service and we bring them and their families out, which is different than, what this organization does or this one, but this, you know, and then that way the great lines of communication, people reach out to us for stuff that we don't do anything with. We're like, Hey, look, but these ones do, you know, and this is what we try to pass along to everybody. I, and I think that's really so important. You know, if you're not in the 
veteran service world, um, it's kind of hard to know how to navigate and who's doing what. And I think a lot of times there are uh, certain organizations that try to be everything to everyone um, for funding. And, you know, and, and at the end of the day, they fail because they don't do anything um, in a in a robust and, and concrete way. And I think understanding the role that you play within this space and how you're working with the military community is so important. And I and I think that was only highlighted over these last few years with COVID um, because you saw a lot of these veteran service organizations essentially have to shut their doors um, because some of what they were saying they did, they just simply didn't do. Um, and they weren't able to keep up with the resources. And, and I don't think it's a bad thing. I think, you know, it's a very, there's nothing that kills me more than when a veteran says, I didn't know where to go. And, and when, you know, you and I being within this space, we know all of the amazing resources that exist outside of the VA and government that exist for our, our veterans. And to hear a veteran say, yeah, it, you know, everything was just so confusing. I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know who to go to. Um, I think we've created that problem a little bit ourselves because there is this like overwhelming amount of groups that are out there. And a lot of times veterans are getting connected with groups that actually aren't providing them the help and support that they need. And then they 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 fall into this place where they're distrusting everything that's out there and presented to them. And so, um, I don't know, I'd love to get your thoughts on the VSO world in general. You know, for me, I think that it's a, it's a good thing that some of these, and I don't want to say smaller because it's not always smaller nonprofits that are closing their doors, but I think some of these nonprofits that aren't, um, totally transparent, um, that aren't, you know, upholding what they say they're going to do and actually doing that, um, and, you know, a little bit of it is like, there's a lot of people that frankly are in it for themselves and, um, you see that a lot. So, um, what are your thoughts on where the VSO space is right now? You know, I mean, we have, we have ones that we work with, right? Like with you, uh, independence fund, super five fund, uh, gears and foundation, charitable foundation, tunnel towers. Um, and, and when people ask us something specific, we know how to, you know, get them in the right direction where they need to go. Uh, if it's not something that we do, but I don't, I get asked to like partner a lot, like, Hey, Travis, we want to partner and we'll do this and we'll split funds. And, and I'm like, no, sorry, we're not going to, you know, do that. And I know I feel sometimes like, like a jerk. Right. But I also know that we started this foundation with $5,000 for care packages from Kelsey and I, and where we've grown it is is pretty remarkable. It's all based off integrity, doing the right thing, being very transparent and open, and staying in our lane. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, a lot of people ask me, like, you know what, this foundation or that? And I'm like, I unfortunately, no, I haven't heard of it. But it doesn't mean they're not a good foundation, but I just haven't heard of it. And, um, you know, I, I just think as the wars have dwindled down, um, a lot of that stuff has kind of went by the wayside. So, you know, you're always adjusting and adapting and, and trying to overcome or to uh, to pivot to make sure that you're successful. And you've done a great job at that, you know, with everything you do. I mean, how many programs do you got? I mean, like people do you touch a year? It's like in the tens of thousands or more, right? Yeah, I, I, 150,000 members across the country. Right, right. But then you guys also go out and you, you do all your 
uh, educate. That's how I oh, yeah. We work with about 50,000 kids a year. Veterans are mentoring. Yeah. Thousands I was talking about. So I'm like, yeah, because you guys actually go and get. Yes. So like, but you you found like, hey, this is a great spot for me to be in. Something I enjoy doing. And it makes sense. Yeah. And I get people that say, hey, I love what you're doing, Travis. Uh, I want to do the same thing. How'd you do it? And I'm like, that that's not how it works. Like, I, I have no problem giving you the information of how to do it. Uh, and the first thing I tell you is you have to have something that people believe in. Yeah. And something that people we'll want to get behind. And if you don't have that, like I had a group bring me out one time and I don't know, I don't know how we got signed up to do it. And they wanted basically to have people donate to build like this clubhouse for their motorcycle club. And like, yeah, we're gonna bring a veteran up like, you know, once or twice a, a, a winter. So you're like, we want people to donate so we can fix up this old like motel they bought, like like a massive thing. And I'm like, so you want to bring a veteran up every now and then and have someone else pay for all your stuff? I said, automatically nobody's going to donate to that yeah like, well we're gonna we're gonna bring veterans up i'm like yeah it's just a clubhouse for you guys like there's no way that people are gonna donate to that and if they do they're gonna feel like they got cheated and then it kind of hurts their feelings so like i i, I kind of stopped doing those kind of meetings but you know like, I, like I've, I, I've been fortunate right i have a pension uh i work um work a lot but i also i also am very blessed that because my other jobs, I don't need to take a salary or anything from the foundation. So I can tell people like never taking a dime. It's all about giving back. This is about, this is my name's on it. I'm not trying to like make money off my name of that and, and whatnot. So like I've been blessed in the world where my for-profit businesses allow me not to have to take a salary, even though I, I probably put, a, you know, I probably put anywhere between 20 to 20 to you know sometimes 80 hours a week, you know, at the foundation. Um, but now we have an executive director, Heather Hempel, who's absolutely fantastic. Um, and our program director, Kelly, her vice president, of program, I can't remember her title. I mean, she's, she's been there, you know, she's a Walter Reed physical therapist and, you know, Chris with facilities and Justin with our development and, uh, Kayla with the office. I mean, we just have the right people in place. And, um, I just, that's, that's the one thing people wonder about my, like how I've been successful with restaurants and marinas and whatever. And I say, well, you know, I'll be honest with you. I just have the right, I just build the right team, to build the right team. You go anywhere. And that's the one thing I pride myself on it being able to do. Just like this other opportunity, my wife said that wasn't a bad idea. First time, first time in 10 years, she's ever told me it's not a bad idea to like start another business. <laughs> um, I've already started ca making calls to build the right team behind it, you know, to make sure that I get it all put in place before I do a deal. But anyway, that's just weird to bring up because we can't talk about it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you about it when we go offline. Of course, I love when you talk about, you know, the right team. You had the right team. And I say that a lot. Like, you know, when I took over the foundation, um, I worked there, but my mom passed and my mom was in charge. And so I took the foundation over and I felt wholly unprepared to be running the organization and really didn't know. And, and, and I felt like this tremendous weight and tremendous burden that I had to not only make sure that I was moving forward with the, what my mom had put into place because she had built the foundation. She died. Actually, I, when I came down to visit you, she had just passed away because she passed April 24th of 2012. Um, and we were down at Walter Reed, you know, shortly thereafter, but I had just taken over the foundation and it was like, I had to step into my mom's shoes. And I also had to like you, that the, the the name of the foundation bears my brother's name. Like what a tremendous responsibility for me that I don't let this fail, that I don't in any way tarnish his incredible name. Right. Um, 
And a lot of people will say, well, what did you do? You know, did you enroll in nonprofit courses? Cause I didn't even know this world. I had to learn it on the go. And I'm like, no, I, you know what I did? I hired a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me. And I built a fantastic team that we were able to work together to accomplish what we were trying to accomplish with what we were doing. And I think it's so important to like, when you look at anything you're doing within business or personal or professional, you know, everything you do as an individual is built upon a team, right? It's all about the relationships that we make, the team that we build to accomplish the goals we want to accomplish. And I am always looking for people that are far superior to me with their talent and, you know, and they can come in and teach me things. And I, and I think honestly at the Travis Manning foundation, I can say we've got almost 80 employees and I learned something from each and every one of them because they are all so incredibly talented. Um, you can't just hire people that are going to work. You got to hire people that are passionate and yeah. that want to move, move the mission forward. Well, if they're smarter than you, but you're still their boss, it feels pretty good, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no. But, uh, you know, so I, I love it because Kelsey and I, we weren't in this world at all. Like, no way. I'm from a small town, middle of nowhere. Um, you know, but, you know, I had to stop like that year, I think year eight, probably. I had to stop saying like, well, you know, I I never did this before. Like, we're, you know, like I used to use the excuse like, well, it's my first time. To, uh, you know, we're just, we're figuring it out. But now I'm like, okay, we're at year like, 10 or whatever and maybe it's year seven i can't remember like 13 so yeah this is a, this will be our 10th year but anyway like i probably like year seven i had like i said it to somebody and they looked at me and said travis you you literally you literally can't say that anymore and i was like oh okay well i'll stop i was like that's my get out of jail free card you know like i was like well i never did this before blah blah blah. but now like unfortunately now we've kind of bad long enough where i can't i can't use that excuse yeah you know I don't know if you ever used excuse. Maybe, maybe you haven't. I'm I think I used it in the beginning. I would, I would be like, I'm not sure. I don't really. Yeah, but yeah, you get to a certain point where you're like, okay, I, I've and and now I love saying, hey, I remember when I didn't know what I was doing. Like yeah. I know what I'm doing now, and I feel very confident in in what we do as an organization, what I do as the the leader of this organization. But yeah, I still look for for people that are smarter than me to hire. You know, I mean, one hundred percent. Oh yeah, and like uh, our executive director, she's like thirty-two, you know, and and she's absolutely fantastic. Mom of two kids, her husband's a marine, former marine, but always marine, whatever you want to say. A great guy. Um, and I get, I, I do actually get in trouble because I hire a lot of people that are like my friends, like you know, they're like family friends, like that. Sometimes can can bite you, but like Chris and Kelly, which Kelly was there with me at Walter Reed, and then she met Chris, and now he's like facilities director. So I have a lot of people like in my inner circle that run these businesses and, and like i tell everybody we all work together you know like um because because honestly like if anybody has to find out they actually work for me like that's usually the last day they work for me because something went so wrong that i had to like lose sleep pride for two weeks to go there and tell them like hey it's not working out yeah but usually not with my, my management team so so it's it's been it's been a wild ride um you know the whole thing's been a wild ride but you know, with, with everybody willing to step up to the plate, help me learn how to, re, you know, I, I would say recalibrate. That's why I tell people I want to recalibrate a warrior. So I just, I just, and it's nothing against wound aware project. People think it is, but like, I hate being called wounded. Um, Cause I used to be right. Like I used to be wounded, but now I got scars. Um, so I've healed. I have had to find what they at the hospital call your new normal. You know, I wake up my, my room, you know, I wake up in my bed, I jump in my wheelchair. Yeah. I get my arm like off the charger. You know, I, I go make coffee and, 
and then uh, get my wife's coffee all set up and she wakes up and the kids wake up and, you know, I take my daughter to school, then my son to school. And then I, you know, if I'm in town, you know, but I'm on the road like 120 days a year. Um, it's, it's pretty awesome to, uh, to have the ability to have that much work, but sometimes I get in trouble because I say yes to everything. And now I got a buffer. I got a general, uh, like a business manager that he makes sure that I can either say yes or no to things. And that's about it. So, but but anyway, I mean, I guess I'm on a long tangent here, but I, I, as, as bad as the situation is, I know how blessed I am to still be here. So I make the most of every everything that I can. Do you ever find, you know, that that there are, you know, now you're in this world where you are in, in amputee, right? So you've been so for the last 10 years. I, I doubt that it's something that you thought about, like accessibility for, you know, uh, disabled individuals. Like, is do you ever find that, that's something you've become passionate about. I mean, I have to imagine that um, in this new normal, you see a lot of accessibility challenges for disabled individuals. Do you see that, or do you do you not even? Is that not even something that's part of your daily? Yeah. It's not. And it probably should be right. Uh, and I'm not callous to it. Like where I'm like, oh, what person can do that? Why are such a such a sissy? But uh, I go upstairs. If I have to go upstairs. No big deal. Uh, you know, I. Uh, I do what I have to do, and I just look at myself as I have a few extra steps in the morning, right? Put my legs on, and my pants, my arm on, and my shirt, and that's all there is to it. So I don't. There's some places I'm like, well, I can't get in there, or I'll try it, um, and I freak people out. But uh, but no, I don't because I'm not uh, a wheelchair bound. It, it's not as as difficult to to get into places that everybody can get into. Sometimes it's a little bit weird. Um, and I got to figure it out, but, uh, tell me about that, a weird, tell me what you mean by weird. Tell me a weird situation. Like, uh, downtown Portland, Maine is like very Hills, you know, it's, it's a lot, really big Hills. And we went to this company, this Portland pies, like a pizza place, um, kind of a, a franchise, like a chain, not a chain. It's like, well, there's, there's a few of them. So I guess it would be a chain, but like a big chain or whatever. And like their building, it was like on a downward slope to get to the building. So like I had to walk down a hill kind of fast and I got turned sideways fast to stop to get to the stairs that are very steep. that go straight up right to the door. There's no like landing for the door. So I got to open the door. I got to lean on the door, like um, the door frame, get in there. And then the floor slopes down and it comes back because it's a very old building, you know. And that was just like last last month. I was just like, awesome. And it was icy out too, you know, if you live in Maine, it's, it's, it's cold out. So so icy, but then I went to Quebec City for um, they have the German Christmas market. If you ever get a chance to go, it's actually pretty cool uh, in, in Canada. So I went to Quebec City, and like it, it's just all hills. So like I remember, like I was basically ice skating, but more, like just going backwards because I walk down the stairs backwards usually. If I because I can only fall uphill that way. And around this ramp, I was going backwards, and I was literally just sliding. Well, my buddy like with one leg. Chris only has one leg, and he's. He's holding me. He's sliding too, and kind of just skated down like three blocks. And I, I made, I made it. But I actually walked in the street after that. I was like, cars can go around me because the sidewalks ain't safe. <laughs> but you know, I mean, there's that stuff. Then I, if if I fall randomly, it's not, it's never good. If I kick my foot and, and trip or whatever and fall, like I fell in a snowstorm the other day, and and these two guys helped me up. And usually I'm just like, no, 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 don't help me. But I was, I was in a bad way. I say, like, all right, go for it. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I need some help. I'll yeah, I hate. I'm gonna accept it today, and I think it because with my close friends that I hang out with all the time, like they actually kind of forget that I have my arms and legs missing. Like my buddy Dane, I sponsored his son's little league team, you know, and I said, "Oh, am I gonna sponsor a team if you're the coach and you guys win?" And they did, they did. But 
then he told Kelsey, he's like, hey, can you come do the first pitch? And Kelsey goes, Dane, how's he, how's he going to throw a pitch? And Dane goes, oh, I just, I forget. I forget. Sorry. You know, and, I, and I, we, I get that a lot where someone's like, hey, can Travis just do this? And it's like, no, no, he actually, uh, he just, he can't. And like, you have oh, a yeah, lot of people that will walk up and like put their hand out to you to shake your hand? I usually throw the left arm out first. Okay. And then some people get so awkward, they like grab my little arm and they shake it. And I'm like, yeah, that's. That's awkward, but okay, whatever. I, guess. I get it was weird for you, so no big deal. Just shake my little arm. So, yeah. But they always always like, do I wear a coat? And I was, and they were like, aren't you cold? And I, I would have a t-shirt on, and I'm like, no, I brought my long sleeve today. And um, my, you know, take these legs off. I got pants on, so we're good. But it's pretty adorable. My five-year-old now, like, he wants to wear shorts. Every time we say, hey, go get dressed, and he'll put shorts on. Dead of winter, you know, he's like, put shorts on. And I was like, why do you do that? He goes, well, you wear shorts. I'm like, oh, if it's, it's, an, it's an honor to me. You can wear shorts all day, buddy. But, but he put pants, he put, was putting pants on then shorts. He's, he's gotten out of that now, but we're good. Yeah, I've got an eight-year-old that all he does is want to wear shorts in the winter. And I finally just gave in. I was like, you know, he's, he's not going to die from wearing shorts. You know, he's not going to catch hypothermia. He's, you know, I'm like, why am I fighting this? So I'm like, if you're wearing shorts, you got to wear a sweatshirt. If you're wearing pants, you know, cause he'll, he'll come down in shorts and a short sleeve shirt. And I'm like, no, that's not going to work. You know, it's 30 degrees outside. Like you got, yeah. got to be long on, on one of them. Um, yeah. Well, my daughter, go ahead. I'm sure you guys know wearing, cool, wearing coats is not cool in middle school. Not cool. Yeah. Me and her had quite the altercation of verbal back and forth about you're taking a coat. No, I'm not. You're taking a coat. Well, I'm not going to school then. You're taking a coat. She took the coat. Then I got to the school. None of the kids were wearing coats. I said, you don't got to wear your coat no more. Sorry about this morning. Who's <laughs> are wearing a coat? Ugh. Yeah. But apparently my kids put their cool. coats in their backpacks, you know, it's like in their backpack and then it's still in their backpack when they come home. So again, I don't know. Why do I, why do I stuff it in their backpack? They're not wearing well, her middle school has no lockers. This is way off topic. What we're supposed to probably talk about today, but her middle school has no lockers. So she has to carry all of her books in her backpack all around. So there's no room for a coat. There's no hook for a coat. And I'm like, so I told her this morning, I said, hey, just so you know, next week's supposed to be like negative 15. So just go ahead and make sure you get your thick sweatshirts out. She goes, I'll get the thick ones out, Dad. I'm like, perfect. <laughs> I think I stuffed the coats in the backpack. So like the the teachers think that I'm a good parent because they're like, oh, they, they she sent her to, them to school with the coat. It's the kids that are choosing not to wear it. Yeah. It's actually like my it. own benefit more than anything else. Um, yeah, I, I great i am so they know they know <laughs> he's on day one do you need any cash for for all days no okay well talk to me let me know but yeah let's talk That's about like you know again you're you're funny as shit and um was that something where did you have was like humor a real big character strength for you before that you were injured yeah, it was. But I also, I get lucky because now I'm not as annoying. Like, I used to have jokes who were like, oh, real funny. Now they just feel bad, so, like, I'm way funnier. Um, and I went to my high school, and I told all the kids there, like, I was speaking in my high school, I said, you know what, guys? The teachers in the school, they're really great. They are, and they know most everything. But they don't know everything. And what I mean by that is they always told me, stop talking in class. I was a class clown. And I stopped talking in class, and now I get paid to go speak. So what they held me back my full potential. So if you think they're doing that to you, don't worry, they did to me too. But it'll, you know, and I was obviously joking. Uh, I always got yelled at for talking, but but no, I, I use I use humor. Now, I also hate compliments. Like 
uh, I joke around like, oh, I'm awesome, blah, 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 and then humble. But really, I, I'm i not good at comp. Like, I just like to deflect, like, to everybody else. Like, I'll tell a joke, and then I, when it gets awkward, I try to joke around. Like, I am not a guy to take to a funeral, um, just like the Red Naked Lady song. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I try to tell jokes, or I, I say stuff that's awkward, and I get really uncomfortable at funerals because I don't know what to do. Yeah, do you think you use humor sometimes as, a like, a defense mechanism? Well, yeah, it's also how I break the ice, right? Humor is the best. I, I keep trying to show my hook. I, I have a hand. It's, in the, it's downstairs. I came up here. Today. Why'd you put the hook right. on today? The hook's more. Okay, so here's the thing. When I'm in public, the hand's always on. Uh -huh. When I'm at home, I got the hook on. The hook's way more usable. Um, it does, like, it, like, look at this. It folds right in, so I got a fork. I can, you know, whatever. The, the hook, but it's a hook, so I don't wear in public. So my hand, my iWatch is downstairs or Apple Watch or whatever it is downstairs just waiting for me to click it back on um, when I go get my son from school in a little bit. So um, I, I use humor because I think it helps people feel comfortable. You know, I, I, I go out to the crowd and I tell everybody, man, I hope I, I'm so nervous to be in front of you. I really just hope I don't bomb this, you know, because it's the last time. Um, and that's why I started off my presentation. It doesn't matter if I'm talking to like Microsoft or Wells Fargo or whoever. That's why I started off. And then. Oh, excuse me. Then a few more jokes, and, and I tell people I tell jokes to help disarm the situation. <laughs> Knee slapper, if you got them. I don't, but go for it. But I think it it puts people at ease, right? It, it makes them not worry about like, what do I say to this guy, or how do I react to the no, you know. And whenever I go and I present, it's funny because if they get a little bit of a write up on who's coming to speak, they're like, I brought tissues, but I didn't know I was going to wipe them from crying from laughter. Yeah, you know. Um, because I, I, I could tell my story in a, in a bunch of different ways and I could be very serious and very, this happened to me and, and very sad. And I'm like, that's just not me. You know, like the first copy of my book, when they did the hardcover copy, the picture on there, I was like, this is terrible. You know, the second one, the paperback covers me and my daughter smiling, standing in a field with a flag, you know, like, I'm like, yeah, this is more, this is more realistic to who I am. And I'm writing another book right now. Um, and we're not, I think we're selling the name bounce back. I can't remember if that's where we're at with it, but um, it's, it's going to be all about resiliency and, and different people, like different stories. So it's like my story um, with people that also have like cancer or widowed or like survivor of a lost one, uh, lost loved one, um, bankruptcy, all that stuff. And like what they went through, how they got back on top of the world. And then the medical background behind it to support why they were able to get better and, and what, philosophies or things are you know happening so it's going pretty well i think we're through like eight of the 12 chapters right now so should not not like roughly done like it, it won't come out to like end of the year or next year i love it and you know and i think it's i think it's so true you know you talk about like it's it's you're kind of disarming people because again so i learned it from the taliban yeah. Well, you know, you, you use humor in this way that almost cuts down that barrier because number one, there's a barrier between the military community and the civilian community in general. Yeah. Right. And then there's also kind of this reverence that comes with seeing someone that has been injured, um, serving our country and, and I think it's all done in the most respectful way that people want to be very serious and, you know, patriotic and diplomatic with you when, you know, and, and as soon as you kind of show them that side of your personality, it kind of disarms them from being like, okay, this is just an, a, a, a normal guy that I can actually have a conversation with, you know, and, 
and yeah. ask questions if I feel like I'm, you know, comfortable asking questions. So I love it. I literally tell everybody like, okay, so when I get my presentation, I go there and if they have a cocktail hour, I'll go. And barely anybody talks to me. They kind of look over at me and they're like, oh my gosh, what are you, doing you know, like they're like, like they want to say hi. Some have maybe seen my videos with Jocko or videos online or whatever. So they'll come and like shake my hand and smile and talk. And if it's like a room of like, I don't know, say 300 or 500 people, when by the time I'm done presenting after that full hours up, they like sometimes they'll have a half hour break if, um, before like the next thing. And they have to like ask me to leave because the line gets so long. People take pictures with me. They want to ask me questions because I want to be that personable, you know, and I tell them um, the last thing I tell them is I show a picture of my, my whole, or my, I show a picture of me, Chloe and Kelsey. And I say, Hey, ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you something. People always want to ask questions and they don't know if they're allowed to, and just know you're allowed. Nothing's going to bother me. You're not going to offend me or my feelings. I'll start you off. And I say, still got it. Still works. And I throw a picture of my son up there just to show that they know the biggest question they probably had, I answered. And then that way, you know, by the end of the night, you know, people are hanging out and, um, if, if I'm not the, the, the opener or closer, if I'm not the closer of the conference, it, it becomes like a juggling act of like, I tell them, Hey, I'm not the pusher. So if you, if you got someone that's going to take pictures on the iPhone for them and tell them to keep moving, you need to do that. Cause they want to tell me anything about their sisters, brothers, cousins, husbands, ex-wives, you know, lover's best friend, mom, like I'm going to listen and not along. I'm not that guy. Like you need to move. I'm like, not going to happen. Yeah. And I feel like it had to like usher me out basically. So the next speaker had like an audience and not that the speaker was bad just because I joke around so much and people are like, Oh, it's just, you know, he's a regular guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, and again, so we, so at, at Travis Manning foundation, we actually, you know, veterans that go through our programs, they actually take an assessment. Um, it's called the VIA assessment where they identify their top character strengths. So veterans that go through our programs do it. Our entire staff does it. And my number one character strength is humor. And, you know, there's there's times where I kind of, I you lean into it so well. And I love that. And there's times for me that I'm always, I sometimes underuse my top character strength because I'm afraid that it makes me like less professional um in in certain circumstances so I don't always lean into it and and I've I've started to like kind of not care so much and you know I put up a a video the other day I was in Puerto Rico and they were trying the our videographers were trying to shoot a video and literally these huge iguanas were falling out of the tree and um, they kept doing like retakes. And so it was a bunch of different cuts. And, you know, the second time the iguana falls out of the tree, I'm like, fuck. And I run out of the frame and they sent it. They they made it into a little video and they sent it to me. And I like went back and forth on whether to post it because it was freaking hilarious. But I'm like, uh, I don't know. And and I sent it and I actually had someone from uh, the director of corporate responsibility at USAA. She sent me an email and she's like, uh, just have to tell you that iguana video made my day. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, okay, you follow me and you watch my, you know, and, and listen, USA is a big partner of ours. Like I never want to mess up any partnerships. And I actually wrote back to her and I was like, um, I'm like, thanks so much. I'm like, it was hilarious. I was like, I, I, I went back and forth over where, whether I should post or not, because I was cursing. And she wrote back, she's like, hashtag be authentic. And I'm like, yeah. Like, this is who I am, you know, and yeah. it was 
freaking funny and I'm going to post it. So, um, but I love that you just kind of lean into it and, and also think it's hilarious that, you know, you do a lot of stuff with Jocko and Jocko is like, he's kind of the antithesis of not using cute. I mean, you know what? Yeah, I hear you watch episode 90 of his podcast or it's he'll, you'll see a different side of Jocko. People didn't know he had. I think I, at first I think he was getting irritated because he kept laughing. And he's like, it's not the demeanor I always say. And I know I know, you know, outside of the podcast and stuff. Yeah. And and I'm like, dude, you, you can be a fun guy. Like, you don't worry about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because he's very like, yeah, there I was. You can do it. <laughs> well, he's, but he's, yeah. Yeah. I did the ep- I I was on his podcast and it was very serious. Um, and that's how and you know when he was reading, yeah. he was reading passages from my book, and yeah. um, you know it was it was all very, very Jocko. Um, but we just had him out. He spoke at our gala, and Leif and Jenna came out, and Jocko and his wife, who I was able to meet his wife, and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's freaking lovely yeah. and such a perfect compliment to him. But I saw him kind of let his guard down. And I saw him laughing. I saw him smile so much. And and Jenna even turned to me at one point. And she's like, oh, my gosh, like Jocko's like having the time of his life. And it was just so cool to kind of see him in that element. Um, yeah, it was it was neat. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Have you Now, have you been to, um, to Austin, like where Leif and Jenna, you ever been to like by their house? I haven't. No. Well, they have the coolest. It's like in the middle of like the like these little bars and like breweries and stuff. Like I just randomly was there for an event in Austin and I went and met some, you know, really good friends of ours. And he's like, Oh, by the way, you know, Lake like, like lives down the street. That's where they moved. I'm like, no, I did. I did not. I did not know that. So I called him like, yeah, we'll be there at five. So you're go like down to, I can't remember where it was at, but like it's at the South side of, of Austin or whatever, I think. And like you drive through like basically like the, like the bush it looks like kind of like the bush if you will like in australia and all of a sudden boom here's a brewery here's live music and some of the best barbecue you've ever had <laughs> it's pretty cool but um but no i mean I, I i i do use humor um i think it helps you know with everybody um in in the whole area i mean i i can be serious um like i said if if there's something at one of my unfortunately I have like over 100 people that work for me at, at one of my you know, for-profit entities, if you will. And, and we all joke around and have a good time. And then, and I, and I, and I tell them how, you know, things are going and I, I, what we expect to have happen. But for the most part, you know, if you're an adult, you know, I'll, I'll treat you like an adult, you know, and I luckily don't got to like, I don't know, get my, get my hands dirty with a lot of the, the reprimand, you know, reprimands and stuff like that. Cause I don't like to do that stuff. Let's say I got my restaurant, I go around the table and like, Hey guys, how's it going? They're always like, it's great. And I'm like, good, because if you have a complaint, I don't take those. <laughs> you know, like, if, if someone's a bad review, I go at them on face. I go hard. You write a bad review, you're going to hear from me. Oh, you're, you're that guy? Me. You're that restaurant oh. owner that goes back? I love I love reading the Yelp reviews where people are like, they put the review down and then the owner comes back in and is like, that's not how it went and replies. So you're yeah. that guy. Well, I'm that guy. Yeah. No, I'm not. I mean, I used to be, but now I'm not. We got really good reviews. Uh, if you ever find yourself in East Winthrop, Maine, the White Duck Brew Pub, um, it's going pretty well. So White Duck Brew Pub. Okay. I love it. Um, Tavern, but then it was in the 50s. So we renamed it White Duck Brew Pub and and stuff like that. But anyway, yeah. So like I said, I I just, you know, those early days and those meetings that we had, um, you know, with you, with other, like Todd Nicely came in to visit me. He's a second ever quadruple amputee. 
other people, you know, stepping up to the plate, it showed me like, okay, well, life's not over and there's stuff to be grateful for and to push forward. So, you know, any of my success, you can attribute, uh, attribute, attribute, attribute most of it to you. So thank you. I do appreciate that because I just piggybacked off the whole, you know, TMF and I was just like, oh yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me, TMF. <laughs> so that was, I know they, they, they were talking about you, but I stole them. I was like, no, 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 you got the wrong. No, it's for this. <laughs> Oh my God. I love it. So, okay. So you're, you've got a new book coming out, uh, or you're, you're working on a new book, um, yeah. loosely titled bounce back. Um, yeah. aim change may happen, but right now that's the working title and it's about yeah. resilience. So, you know, this is the resilient life podcast. Um, it's not always about talking about resilience, but it's about having on resilient individuals and you, are resilient individual. Do you think about that? Like, do you think about resilience in your own life and what that means to you? Uh, so that's okay. So that's the thing, right? So the reason I'm writing the book is because nobody that uh, nobody can comprehend, not nobody. A lot of people can't comprehend how I do. How do I live? Like, how do you live life? And I can't, you know, easily enough. I'm like, Oh, I have to, I got another choice. And that's not a good enough answer. So I'm like, as simple to me as it's like, well, what else am I going to do? You know, I got to do something. Um, I figured let's put it down in words. That's why I'm actually writing the book because I I was like, I wonder why I'm able to do this, you know? And um, my kids, uh, especially my daughter, she gets so annoyed because she's like, I can't do it. Something's bothering me. I'm like, oh, excuse me. She's like, okay, dad, fine. Never give up, never quit. Like, that's my slogan. And she's like, I know. Shut up. I don't care. You know? (laughs) And, uh, um, I just, I just think that if people can get something out of my story, just like they get out of your story, it helps build happiness and, um, you know, freedom in life to, to pursue new things or to, to get over something that's bothering them. Like I'll help out any way I can. So being a resilient person, I, I think it's just something I, I'm, I don't say forced to do, because I guess I do have a choice if I just want to sit here and do nothing uh, or go out and do stuff, but I just, I get the opportunity and I think, just like the loss of your brother, I had some really fantastic friends that never made it back home. And I had doctors and nurses that worked on me for 14 hours straight, where two nurses took turns pumping air in and out of my lungs to keep me alive for nine hours. And they had to donate blood from their veins that were the universal blood and A positive because the blood bank ran out of my blood that day. And they had people rush to the doors of the hospital to give A positive universal and universal blood. And I think it'd be such a selfish slap in the face to you and your family for the sacrifice that you actually did make compared to the arms and legs that I lost, where I live in a nation that, you know, gives me prosthetics where I can do anything for the most part that I want, be successful as well as just, I have the ability. So when I do get serious, like I am, you know, right now, hopefully you can tell um, when it comes to resiliency, it, it was, it was a choice, but when you have a six month old looking up at you and you're still her dad and, and she's not scared of you. And then she learns how to walk with the same time. You know, we learn how to walk together. Um, she would ride in my wheelchair. Um, we are legitimately like best friends. Like I pick her up, her friends up, they spill the tea. I mean, I know all, I know all the gossip. You want to know about sixth grade Miranda code, you let me know. But, uh, and then my son, you know, he, he was a blessing. And we, we, you know, we, we did try for, for him. And we got the blessing of having him. And, and I just don't think that, 
I don't think we live in a place where I could give up on myself because look at look at how fortunate I am. Yeah, I think that's sometimes it, right? Stripping it back and seeing like the good instead of the bad. Um, you know, my my chef at my restaurant was a little bit irritated. Um, we had a sixty top that scheduled to come in at opening at eleven o'clock, <laughs> at like the day after, like we had one of the busiest days ever. He's like, "Listen, I'm like, they're picking this because it's the best place to eat." with the freshest food made from scratch because of your cooking. And he's like, Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, so it's a compliment to who you are. And they called to make sure it was going to be okay. And because you have, we have faith in you and your team that you've built that, yeah, you know, we can do this. And we did. I mean, we had managers and waitresses showing up and doing prep work just so it wouldn't go out. So it's just, you know, sometimes how you look, I guess, it's very cliche and overused. I'm sure how you look at things, but look at the platform you have. I mean, you probably wouldn't have the same platform if your brother was still in the Navy and, and crushing it, but Marines. You, he went to Annapolis. Okay. That's not fair. He went to Annapolis, <laughs> but he was a Marine. You know, I love it when I knew you, because oh. <laughs> I, I knew it was going to a joke, but then I felt, I feel bad because I actually just disrespected him and he's not here to stand up for himself, but you because that's why I tell all the guys that are Marines that they're in the Navy. And as soon as I said it, I started to actually feel really bad because I'm like, that's actually disrespectful. But then I like, I'm not going to treat him any different than I treat all the other guys went to Annapolis that are because <laughs> my cousin did the same thing. He was, he, you know, whatever he was in the Navy, but he went to Annapolis. That's not in the weeds here. But, but the platform that you and I have now and the things that we do that we were, you know, called to do after, you know, our unfortunate situations, you know, we're just lucky to do them and we do them the best of our ability because we're given the platform, the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I say that every day. I mean, listen, if there's been so much good that has happened through the Travis Mannion foundation, and um, we've been able to work and support so many veterans and families of the fallen. And I'm, I feel grateful and blessed for those opportunities, but selfishly, I would give it all back to have my brother here. Um, of course, but I also understand that I've been given this platform, um, and that, that I, I have a responsibility to, to keep moving forward. You know, I, I say the same thing all the time. Like I very easily, and I've seen other families who have lost loved ones in service, um, take the opposite approach and, and almost claim this victim mentality, um, and kind of pull the covers up over their heads. And, there was no way, um, number one, you know, Travis would have struck me down at this point if I even attempted to do that. You know, there was no way that I was going to do that because it, it it's such a dishonor to him and it's not the way that he would have wanted me to live. And so, you know, I think, I think it is all about how we look at things. It is all about how we look at the opportunities and the adversity that, that we're all inevitably going to be faced with. Um, and every single person is right. And it's all how we respond to that. And, you know, your response to what happened to you on April 10th, 2012 has been nothing short of remarkable. And, you know, and, and you should be proud of that. And, and you set such an incredible example for the community that you represent. Um, and, and, and there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that too, you know? And so, um, I thank you for that. I really do. Well, I appreciate it. I'm just a regular everyday guy. Had a bad day at work. Now I get front row parking. So it's not all bad. But 
No, I mean, it's just at the end of the day, like I said, I can't change it. You know, I always tell people the two life lessons is don't dwell on the past, just reminisce it. Um, I, you know, like I told you earlier with the whole 25 years with arms and legs and one bad day at work. So I just reminisce what I had and I don't dwell on the fact that I got blown up. And then I also tell people you can't always control your situation, but you can always control your attitude. And just like you, not only your brother, but your mother. And, you know, you have to control your attitude and be as positive as you can, even through the toughest times, because that's the one thing that we can actually control. And, you know, I wake up with arms and legs on, like that's my situation. So it is what it is, but my attitude is going to be always upbeat because uh, I, just, I get the chance to still have the ability to be here. So I don't know. I mean, that's, that's about it. I'm not, I'm not like that. I'm getting Bosley done. I think just so you guys know. So next time you see me, I'll probably have way better hair. And, and there's this new, uh, um, magic pill out there called but wagovi w-e-g-o-v-y it's like for diabetes but i don't have diabetes but it's for fat loss too and it's like people are losing so i'm calling my doctor next to see if i can get it prescribed i would be careful with that i've done a little bit of research on that there's like yeah so these semi-glutides we're gonna get way off topic real quick but these semi-glutides so yes they are very effective but they basically kill your appetite so you will have zero appetite that is why you lose weight you will just not be able to eat essentially. But the problem with it in the long-term studies, and there's not a lot, but in the long-term studies that they've done on these, it's like Wagovi and Manjaro are the two kind of uh, names that they have out there on the market, is that when you stop taking these, it's almost, I've heard people talking about it, that it's actually like a eating disorder drug that they're presenting. Now, if you are massively obese and are having like a ton of health issues, like, yeah, but- (laughs) If you got to just drop a few pounds, I would caution because they say that once you stop taking them, it's almost like a lifelong drug. Once you go on it, you kind of have to stay on it because once you stop taking them, everything resets and it and it can do a little bit of damage to your metabolism. So um, just do a little research on it. Worth it. <laughs> just kidding. All right. I just want to research on it, but I don't see. <laughs> Well, may, listen, maybe you'll be out there as like the Wagovi spokesperson, you know, like we'll see you in the commercials and stuff. Well, let me tell you something. I did offer that to Bosley and I do think I'm going to get a spokesman or uh, like shit with them because the price they were offering me for my hair. I was like, that's a little bit. I mean, hey, I got a decent size following. Anyways, I'm going to look. The 2023 is my glow up. Anyways, so we're way off topic. I apologize. I love I, it. Travis, um, you're awesome. I'm so glad we were able to reconnect and talk and we have to do it more offline. Uh, I think the world of you, I think the world of your family, you guys are, you know, again, such a shining example of the best that this country has to offer. Um, you know, you, you gave your limbs for this country, but you continue to give back. And, and I mean that with all sincerity, I thank you for that. Keep kicking ass and um, thank you for joining us on the resilient life. All you got to do is change a few words and you can say the exact same thing about yourself. And I was like, look at you. This is all about you. And then you said my name and I was like, no, no, you're a winner. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate you guys. And uh, like I said, next time my glow up is coming. You'll look so good. All right. Next year, we'll have you with your new hair and your uh, weight loss transformation. I'm looking forward. That's right. That's thanks right. Thanks so much.